All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad uh, to be here today uh, among grateful people. Um, and I wanted to share a little story. Uh, last week in Sunday school, I asked uh, what your fra- favorite holiday was. And I, I promise you, I was expecting them to say Christmas morning, opening the presents. Uh, and, you know, 445, waking up mom and dad, you know, to get rolling on the presents. And uh, that was not the answer I got. Uh, they said their favorite holiday, by far, two to one, for everything else was blown away by Thanksgiving. Uh, that was their favorite. And I was like kind of thrown there. Uh, their depth is a little, always surprises me. Um, but I, I asked why. I said, what is it about Thanksgiving that, um, that really, you know, makes it your favorite? And uh, what, many of them said, it's just a pure holiday. It has one focus. It's just there for one thing. Uh, I'm going to quote a student, you know, as best I can remember here. But uh, one of them said, it's just about being grateful. You know, that Hollywood and, and the world and all its materialism hasn't tainted Thanksgiving. It's just about loving each other and being thankful to God. And so that kind of cued something in me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Thanksgiving is great because of what we focus on, right? Uh, what we focus on, what we zero in on, what we attune our heart to, what we, we concentrate on. And uh, a topic that I bring up all the time to our students uh, that I remind them of constantly. Um, in fact, uh, two of the youth leaders who were sitting in the service brought to me their notes and said, yep, it was right here on this week. And they keep journals of what we do in the youth ministry. And they're like, yep, right here and right here and right here. And so it comes up multiple times. <clears throat> and it's this, what you focus on fills you. What you focus on fills you. Now, that seems kind of simple, um, but I'd like to go a little bit more into the complexities of it. Uh, when I'm usually talking about it, I'm talking about media or what we choose to look at, you know. Uh, and it's usually if we look at immoral media, uh, that those um, attitudes and those perspectives, um, those thoughts fill us and become us. They shape us, Right. Um, but it goes beyond just what you watch on television. Uh, if you're a person that tends to focus on all the scary things that might happen, uh, all the terrible things that could come just around the corner, and all the uh, things that could go wrong in the next 10 minutes, uh, what fills you? Well, you're focusing on what scares you, and anxiety fills you, right? Or maybe you're thinking about <clears throat> all the bad things in the world, <clears throat> the things that... Um, Hold on a second here. The things that uh, <clears throat> shape your your um, the, your negative perspective, right? You're looking at uh, the, the stuff that could go wrong in my family or, or all the depressing things happening in the world. And, and what happens is that depression fills you. It comes in you. It, it takes up residence. Um, if you focus on God's love, God's love fills you. Right. And so what you focus on fills you. Um, So it's an important enough phrase that I make the students say it all the time. Uh, Let's all say it together. What you focus on fills you. Amen. So uh, does it really work that way? I mean, uh, let's just think about it. Uh, Focus. And then then what happens after we focus on something? It comes into us 
And all of a sudden, we value it, whatever it is that we focus on. <clears throat> and we become grateful for it. Um, so here's my first example. A 15-year-old boy uh, wants a car for his birthday. You know, and he's excited about it, and he tells his mom and dad, Mom and Dad, I'm going to be 16 soon. Uh, I would really like a car. And they're like, Son, I'm just sorry. That's just not very responsible parenting to give you a car at 15 years old. Oh, but Mom and Dad, I'll be good. You know, I'll, I'll take good care of it. I'll drive very carefully. I, I won't do anything wrong with it. I'm just sorry, son. That's just uh, not really a, a real a reality for you. And the son is disappointed, right? He, val- he focuses on it. He values it. <clears throat> and if he doesn't think he's going to get it, he's filled with disappointment. And then the, his 16th birthday, he wakes up and he walks into his dad's room. Dad, I, I, need, a, I need a ride to, to school And dad says, not today, you don't. And he flips him a box, and he opens the box, and there's a set of car keys there. And all of a sudden, his hand starts shaking, and he's pretty excited. And he runs out to the the front window of his house, and he looks out there, looks down at the driveway, and he is just pumped. There is a car sitting in the driveway he has never seen before. He's like, is it mine? Yes, it's yours. Oh, my goodness. And he runs out, and he breaks the front door, getting down there. And he hugs the car, and he looks in the car, and he sits in the car, and he shakes the steering wheel, and he, and he looks at the hood, and, he pop, and he's just running around the car. And then, then he remembers the people who gave it to him, and he's filled with gratefulness and excitement. And he runs back in his house, and he, and he kisses his dad for the first time in 12 years. He's so excited, you know, and uh, he's just pumped up about it. And uh, his mom and dad are just thrilled to see this gratefulness coming out of him. But it doesn't end there, right? I mean, he goes through and every week he washes the car, usually polishes it too. Uh, he takes good care of it, hopefully. Uh, his, uh, his friends are not allowed to, to bring their pop into the car. You know, they're not allowed to sit on the bumper or on the hood or, or lean on his car, right? That's it. He's just taking good care of it. His gratefulness just keeps going. His gratefulness responds with effort. He keeps going and going with it. And then maybe he gets a job, right? And says, I got to pay for gas insurance because I want to drive this car. I I want other people to focus on me and my car and and going places, right? And then uh, he starts getting those. Has anybody seen a teenager with auto parts magazines? You know, and he starts like saving up money to buy an extra loud muffler, right? Uh, That that is, uh, that's an excited 15-year-old. And it seems simple, doesn't it? We... We put effort into what we value. What we value most has the greatest potential to make us either grateful or disappointed, right? And the things that tend to make us the most grateful or disappointed are the things we focus on. And the things we focus on fill us. And I thought for a long time, this is the order of the equation. This is how it goes. This is um, the direction that it takes. And then... Uh, a couple years ago, I was studying Philippians, which we just spent uh, six weeks in. Um, and I came across this verse that said to me, oh, it's not that order. It's the reverse order, right? It's actually a reverse formula. What we focus on fills us first, right? That's what's first. What you look at and what you choose to, to focus your mind on fills us. And by the way, there's underlined things here. Um, We're going to be very active in our notes today. So there's a light blue sheet in your bulletin, um, and it's going to be very used today. So you may want to take that out, start filling these in. Uh, And we have some interactive participation participation later. 
uh, in that. And so uh, what is we focus on most fills us. What fills us, what becomes the center of us, we tend to value the most. What we value the most, uh, we are most grateful for or potentially disappointed by. And what we are most grateful for, uh, disappointed by, usually gets our greatest effort. Okay, now that's a long equation here. Uh, But I'd like to give a little example of how that all works out. About 10 years ago, the Bears weren't doing so hot in football. And I was a youth pastor, even back then. And, um, and I started to just not be very excited about it. They were pretty disappointing. And I started to value them less. And, and I have this career that's very busy on Sundays. Uh, and Sunday afternoons uh, usually uh, was some kind of youth activity, or Sunday night was a youth activity, and I had, had to prepare for it. And I started to lose my focus for bears. I didn't watch games, and, and there was entire seasons I went without caring at all. Uh, I didn't know. It got to the point where I knew no, none of the names. I'm like, where's Richard Dent? You know? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? 85 Chicago Bears. Anyway, um, uh, you know, where are all these players? None of them, I don't even know the team anymore after 10 years. And so, uh, you know, uh, about a year, a, half, a year and a half ago, I started to see that a lot of people were building community and having fun talking about this. And, and even members of my own family were really excited about it. And, uh, I, and I started to say, well, you know what? There's, I'm not so busy on Sunday evenings anymore. I'm going to start focusing on the Bears some more and getting involved. And, and what happens? Well, I start valuing them, right? I focus on them, and, and, and I'm getting excited about it. And, and they have this great ability to, to make me feel grateful, like screaming, jumping out of my chair, grateful when they score, right? Or screaming disappointment when they you know, throw another inter- the fourth interception to the same guy. You know, it's all very, you know, it's up and it's down, but it has this ability to, to make me happy or make me sad, and, and then it starts to get my effort. Like I'm watching the Bears game, and I start thinking, you know what? i I got to record the game for next week, so I'll skip forward during the commercial break and set it up to record the following weeks, right? And that, that's a little bit of effort. And then I find out Bears are on a Thursday night, and I have tight on Thursday night. Oh no, humanity! You know, and I'm like, we gotta, we gotta have tight at my house, and watch the Bears game together. And so, 45 people came over to my house. Uh, I'm the neighborhood party animal now, you know. And uh, we we had a great time watching the Bears game together. And now I'm I'm dreaming about my sons one day playing for the Chicago Bears. It's a beautiful thought, and you know, and I. A year and a half ago, I didn't know the players on the team. I didn't care if they won or lost. But my focus on them all of a sudden made me value. And they had this ability to be grateful for or disappointed by them, right? And it runs through this whole process, and it began to get my effort, and I feel attached to them. Now, this is true in a lot of areas. Uh, It's true in our careers. When we first start a job, we might like it, we might not. But when we focus on it, we start to get more and more passionate about it. And the more our boss or employer asks us to do something more we want to do and and we can lose focus it can become an idol to us or or maybe um you know your your stuff the the things that you possess uh you know my car i love my car or my my house or the square footage or or um the size of my yard or things like that and and we can get very excited about having the next best thing or the next best video game or the next best you know whatever it is 
and uh, it affects us, right? It can change us, or we think that friends are going to make things better. Uh, one of the best areas to see this in is, is our, in our spouse. If we focus on our spouse's best attributes, we tend to value them more, right? And then we tend to put more effort into that relationship with them. And then we feel more connected to them, and they have a greater ability to make us feel grateful. And we have, you know, that extra effort goes in. But the reverse is true, too. If we start looking at all their faults and, you know, things that we don't appreciate, we tend to value them less and, and are not grateful. We're disappointed with life. We're filled with disappointment because we don't like something about them, right? And then we, uh, we, we are disconnecting emotionally and we put less effort into it. So the power in marriage, it starts with what you're focusing on, right? What you're focusing on is critical. So this, the implications are profound of this truth. And they sweep a lot of areas. And, and we need to be so careful on what we're choosing to pay attention to because it will fill us. It will become us. Now, I've got to let you in on... Uh, what I think, when I realized this truth, I realized it, and Paul, in Philippians, had the answer, boom, right off the bat. And here it is. Uh, after I thought, you know, what you focus on fills you, well, I thought, well, you've got to focus on really good stuff, and the good stuff will fill you. And here it is, Paul, thousands of years ago, says this, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Focus. Zero in. Put them on this and lock it in that position, right? Uh, if you have a telescope and you want to fix it where it is, you tighten down the knobs and say, this is where this is going to focus, right? You, you zero in. You refuse to think about anything else. He says, fix your thoughts. And, and it's the final thing he's talking about. He says, I want to wrap all this up, and i got to say this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Yeah. And I want to be filled with excellent, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Paul gives the answer, boom, right next statement. So what's some great stuff to focus on? Maybe what's the greatest stuff that we can focus on? Well, before we do that, Let's go into what we shouldn't put our whole focus into and wrap all our thankfulness around. We shouldn't do this. And it's very tempting, but we've got to stay away from it. Don't focus too much on the following things. The first one is this. The world and the things it offers you. Um, <clears throat> it's a dangerous thing here. So here it is. First uh, John two six or fifteen to seventeen, uh, I've been quoting this to the students constantly about every week for about two months. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now I was kind of offended when I first read this. I thought, you know, I can love some stuff out in the world, and, and I can want what it offers me. And I can kind of zero in on that and say, wow, wouldn't that be nice? And I don't think the love of the Father kind of drops out of me like a battery, you know? And that the more I reflected, 
more I realize that's true. The more I choose to focus in on love and love what this world is offering me, the more the battery drops out of me. The love, my, the, the love of God just pff, is gone. It won't share space with the love of the world. You know, your love for God and, and God's um, directing presence just does not like sharing space with me. I won't do it. And so, wow, that was kind of a shocker to me. And so, for the, it says this, For the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Woo. And it doesn't actually offer the items. It only offers craving. And it says, This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So I want to go back and say some of the phrases that it offers us. And the things we, by loving this world and focusing in on it and valuing it and the things it offers us, what fills us? Here's the words. Craving and craving and pride and fading. So those are the things that enter into us when we focus too much on the world. So let's not, right? And those things are not worth it. They're only things, the only thing that it causes us to do is want more. Uh, I have a nice car, but I want a better car. I have a nice house, but I want a bigger house. I have a nice lawn, but I want a greener lawn, right? You know, I want, I want, I want more. I crave, I need. And the more I get, the more I fade, the more empty I feel. So let's walk away from the world. Now, there's other things in the world that are truly good. True, they're good things. Uh, but we should still be careful not to make them the core of who we are. What are some great things that might disappoint? You know, romance and marriage. Uh, these can be very disappointing. Ask my wife. You know, uh, these, you may not follow through, you know, your, your husband or your wife may not make that the most delightful relationship on the, in the world. And these things are only good when they're in Christ, right? Parents, you, you think, man, my parents are great parents. And then one day they just, maybe they blow it or there's a divorce that hits your family or, or there's pain that they bring in or they're, they're, you all of a sudden start to see their flaws, right? They become very clear when we're teenagers. Oh, my parents are not perfect. Right? And then we tend to only focus on that, right? Right? Okay, so uh, our children, you know, uh, no, nobody wants to admit that their children might have disappointed them once, but they do. They are sinners like us. Uh, they make mistakes and they disappoint. And we choose to keep loving anyway, right? Uh, but we have the greatest hope for them. We have more hope for them than for ourselves. They may disappoint. Siblings. You know, I, I, I grew up thinking I have perfect siblings, and I have come to find out that they're not so perfect. You know, I thought I had the three greatest brothers in the world, and they're just doofuses like me. You know? And then friends. Oh, my friends will never let me down. They chose to be with me. And that's what Job said, and they kicked him when he was down. Right? So let's just look at these things and say, hey, while these things are really great, and we could fill our heart with these things, they also have this very serious potential to disappoint completely. Right? They can, they can ruin us if we 
if we put our emotional centers around these things. So thanks, Justin. Thanks for this great message today that the world is going to disappoint us and our family and our romance and our children and our siblings and our, everything's going to just leave us empty and fading or disappoint. This is a great day. Can we go home now? I'm kind of done here. Okay. Well, the second half of this message is hope. There are great things that when you put the core, them at the core of who you are, make them the, the most and the most frequent things that you focused on, um, that stuff, the romance, the marriage, the parents, it gets poured over the top like icing on the cake. So this is not the icing. You know, the cake is there. This is the icing. Let's go to the cake you know, the three-layer cake. What are the three things that will not disappoint? Um, you know, uh, there's this temptation to keep going back to people um, and, and hope that people will give us the things that won't disappoint us. Uh, my dad one day, um, he's a pastor in uh, Crystal Lake. And uh, when I was about 10 or 11 or 12, I can't really, really remember what it was, but my dad um, came out um, from a meeting uh, that they, were, they had some conflict in the church at the time. And all the boys and the, the sons and daughters stayed behind. We were kind of playing football in the sanctuary. And I came out to get a drink, and he came out to get a drink at the same time. It was just one of those weird God moments. My dad was kind of upset by something, and I, and I didn't see that all the way down the hall, so I ran and tried to beat him to the water fountain. You know, and uh, I get in front of him, and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. You know, and I drink my water, and I turn around, and there's my dad, boom, right there, puts his hands on my shoulders, and he has this serious intensity. And he looks at me, and he says, Justin, I want to tell you something. Men will always fail you, right? But God will never fail you. Never. I want you to remember that. And that has stuck with me. That I don't put my hope in men. While I trust them and I, and I agree with them and, and I have great hope for men, uh, my expectation is the greater things that God does. So let's look at those. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things, all these things will be added unto you. Right? That's the hope. That we look here first, that our emotional center, the things we're most thankful for and most frequently thankful for, sit right here in the kingdom of God. What are they? Well, the first one is this, our salvation. Right? The fact that we are saved when we give ourselves to Christ. Right? So here's, you know, just a good way to think of your salvation is to do the following here. Think of your former destiny. Right? Um, that we were sinners. That we were, we were corrupted. That we were meant to be God's treasure in an intimate and close relationship with Him. We were valuable. God created us in His image and filled us with his own life, right? He, he breathed life into us. We had a great destiny that we have ruined. We have marred it. And so that's the first thing. Our former destiny is that we're marred. We're messed up. We're, we're, we, were, we were good. You know, we were created for something good, and we've ruined it. If you think maybe, you know, Justin, hey, I, I'm still a pretty good guy. I haven't done anything really bad. Here's what Scripture says. Psalm 53, 2 and 3. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone 
seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good. Not a single one. So how many of you, raise your hand, I'm in the human race. Yeah, you should have your hand up, right? We all blew it. We are all worthy of judgment. We are all not mistakers. We didn't make little air. Oops. We sin. We blow it. And our destiny is ruined unless God chooses to do something. And in his great love, he did. He sent Christ, right? He sent Jesus Christ to us, the second part. God in his infinite love sent Jesus to take the penalty for your sin, to pay your debt, receiving your punishment. He was treated like garbage. He died your death so that you could become a child of God. The highest price was paid for you. By receiving the offer that Jesus extended to you, and I hope that you have received it, you were redeemed. You were made clean. You are given a new destiny because of Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection. Amen? And so that gives us this new destiny, right? This new great hope that we are going to be in heaven together forever. That the, the trash has been pulled out of the garbage and that, you know, we were going to be thrown away from the presence of God. Instead, we were pulled out and saved by a great act of grace and mercy and love. So we have a new destiny. So let's take a moment here, and we're going to thank God for our salvation, right? And we've got the three points right there. But I'd like to do this together. And if you've never done this before, this prayer is uh, in your um, in your, in the, on the blue sheet of paper in your bulletin. If you've never done this before, I pray that you would take this and just really evaluate it and say, is this what I want to believe? Because this is salvation. This is the message of hope that God offers us. And so those of us who have received it, let's just say this together again like we did it on the first time, right? Let's say, I confess that I am a ruined sinner with no hope on my own. And the second point, I believe that Jesus was God. And that he came to earth as a human. He lived a perfect life. Died my death on the cross. And paid the penalty for my sin. I believe that he rose again to retake his throne in heaven. And the third point. I will live out my new destiny by following God's word. And participating as a member of his church. Amen. Let's celebrate it. I mean, that is a good thing, right? So now, after we look at our salvation, which is by far the greatest thing that we had to be thankful for, let's go on to the next thing that God does after that. And that's this, sanctification. Not only does He save us in Christ, but He begins to form us back into the image that He wanted us to be in originally. That He wanted us to be like Christ, sharing unity with Christ, right? So He's saved us, He now resides within us, and He begins a new work causing us to become a new creation, right? So Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says this. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So now God has chosen to take up residence within us. He's chosen to be in us and He's working. He's doing stuff, right? He's speaking to us. The Creator of 
the universe and the sustainer of all things and the, the giver of all good things has chosen us as our homes because of what Christ did. And He's working and He's changing us. and He's renewing us. And then there's this other part that, uh, in sanctification. Uh, sanctification can feel disappointing at times. Why? Because part of it is our responsibility. But ultimately, it will never disappoint. God is doing a good work within us and He will be faithful to complete it. Right? And so, what does He use to do it? Uh, somebody in the thankfulness time just stole all my thunder and said, I'm grateful for my problems. I was like stunned. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. You stole my thunder. I'm so glad you did. Way to go. But in James, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has the chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. All right? If you ever want to give somebody a compliment, if you see me sometime and you know, like Justin looks kind of down. I need to give him a little, a little compliment. There's a good one at the end of this. Justin, you're really fully developed. You're perfect and, and complete and needing nothing. I would feel better. Honestly. You know, I would, I would be, that would make my day. Right? You're perfect and complete. How many of you want to hear that, right? Well, it's not an easy path to get there, right? Uh, it the way that that process happens feels disappointing, even though ultimately it is so rewarding and will bring about such gratefulness. So let's thank God for our problems and the, the situations that, um, that he uses. You know, I was talking to Pastor Dan about this message. And he said, Justin, uh, the things you ask people to remember and, and keep in their mind and focus on, they're not easy. They're hard to do. You're, you're asking the congregation to do something very hard. And I think this is one of the hardest points of today's message. Thank you, God, for all the annoying people in my life. Thank you, God, for demeaning people. You know, thank you, God, for my irritating boss or my, my wife's or my husband's really negative perspective or, you know, about, you know, whatever it might be. We, we tend to not thank God for these things. Because they don't feel great. They're a little disappointing. But if we respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit within us, those things, those trials, those financial struggles, those difficulties, they turn our hearts back to God. Don't they? They can make us new. They can, they can conform us to the character of Christ. So let's take a moment to celebrate our sanctification. So, uh, on your blue cards in your blue sermon notes there's a spot there to kind of do some of these following things here write down some of the things that god has changed in you how has he made you feel different or think different or act different uh, write down some of the ways that you are different from your old self is there habits that he changed in you are you becoming more like christ in some ways why don't you write some of those down? Because that is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Maturing you. Bringing you closer to maturity and, and completion. And making you more like the perfect Christ. Right? So, what are those things? Then the third thing. Some troubles. That you may need to change your perspective on. 
and say, you know what? Thank you, God, for this. Because this is my opportunity to be like you. To trust in you. To believe that you're going to carry us through this. Right? And the last one here is write down something, some of the truths that God has taught you this year. What has he told you? So take some time to do some of that right now. And, uh, and we'll get started in another minute here. Let's get into the third and final greatest thing. And it's kind of a continuation of what sanctification is. But it's called, I call it glorification. Um, So we're brought out of the discard pile. And now the treasure of God being made into the image of Christ. Being made fully complete and mature, right? And now set to a new purpose. That's what sanctified means. prepared or set apart for a new purpose and how does god implement us or use us he uses us in his church right so where do you experience the glory of god most right here among the people around you and it's not the building you know but it is the function when you are participating with others and i and i wrote this up here uh kind of talking about what this thing of being unified and being one and being together. Uh, experiencing the glory of God is really hard to do at home on your own uh, when you're not in fellowship. Uh, the work of the church to experience really the true glory of God, you need to be involved in a church and begin getting close to those people and getting on target with the mission that they accomplish together, which is the cause of Christ. And so Jesus says this, as he's praying to his father for us. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And so why did God give us the glory? So that we could be one. So that we could be together. And so he gave us this, and so we experience God together in community, right? And this is, you know, don't underestimate this one. Uh, I know that the church is filled with sinners and it's filled with failures and and people who are going to disappoint us and sometimes irritate us or maybe even offend us. Right. And remember what we said about the sanctification process. It's what God is using to accomplish this great work of sanctification. Right. So the church is our spiritual boot camp. It's our royal family our community of co-heirs, our character furnace, our limit pusher, our perspective changer. And the Holy Spirit is using it to draw out the character of Christ in us. And He's also using it to accomplish the mission of saving the world. We together have a holy and amazing purpose together. 
Uh, you know, you can go into sports and, and victory is your goal, but eternity is not changed. When you come to church, eternity is changed. When you participate as the member of the body, you change the world because God does something with you and through you, right? One of my neighbors came up to me and said, uh, Justin, I, I'm kind of concerned. And I live a couple doors down from you and, and, I, and I see your life and, and you are always at church. If you're coming or going anywhere, I know you're going to church. I, I, I see that. And you don't really have a whole lot of other things that you're really crazy excited about. Um, why, you know, you're kind of out of balance, buddy. You could have a lot better life if you spent a whole lot less time at church. And I'm like, are you kidding me? As in, and I didn't say this, but I tried to be very gracious about it. I said, but in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, that's where all the glory is. The best things in life happen among those people. It's not the building that I'm that excited about. I'm not doing this out of guilt because I feel like I'm earning my way to heaven. Because the glory is there. And the closer I get to these people, the more I see God working on the inside. And I experience the glory of God. And, and I sense Him working through me. And, and He's teaching me things. And we're sharing these truths. And, and it's amazing. And I feel so bad that you're not more involved in it. That you don't have that perspective. Because you're losing life. You're wasting life on other stuff. And you're more worried about how green your grass is and, and, and how good your lawn looks. And mine looks terrible, but you should see my heart. My heart is like full of life and, and I'm excited to be there. You know, I'm filled. I have great and full heart. And my lawn looks like garbage, but who cares, right? And so uh, let's just say that, let's just confess that this is the best place on earth to be involved there is no better activity and if you're sitting here saying today you know i'm not that excited about church it's time to focus on it some more and maybe it's time to change some things in your life so we're going to go through an activity here um, that will help us to focus in on the church and our participate participation you're saying that participation in it so uh on the blue sheets again uh, there's an uh, a, a area where you can be thankful for the glorification that God offers to us in His in His church by allowing us to glorify Christ together. So write down some ways that God has allowed you to serve in church this past year. You know, thank you God for for allowing me to work in the sound and the, and the audio video and the lights and the, the video. Or thank you for putting me uh, on stage to serve you as a as a musician or a vocalist or a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or, or just a good supporter to another person or an encourager or, or a greeter, you know, or a, a WANA member or team or coach or captain or whatever. You know, thank you, God, for that because I got to change eternity. My life was used for something in your church. And then kind of go through the rest of these, some efforts that you feel God might be calling you to step up. Say, God, I got to... I got to do some more here. I don't have enough focus on your glory revealed here at church, here in the body of Christ. Or write down some great sacrifices that you might need to make to say, you know what, I need to put some effort into being more involved at church. I've got to get more connected, right? Write down some ministries that you are grateful for in the church. You know, someone said, I'm so grateful for the children's ministries. Thank you for that. 
Um, that was a good, good thing to do. And write down some of the names of the servants you are grateful for. You know, and just say, thank you, God. Thank you. I'll give you a minute to do that. So let's go back to the beginning of this message and then end it and hopefully bring it all to a point. We need to focus on the greatest things first and most. And if you're wondering, Justin, this is a great message, but how am I going to go home and apply it? You know, I I agree that these are great things. Um, And I just want to challenge you that we need to focus more on them. And so they need to be the things we focus on first and most. So here, here's a good way to do that. Take the blue sheet home with you today. And just bring it with you. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, Lord, thank you for my salvation that I once was lost, but now you came and you pulled me out by your great sacrifice. And that now I have a new destiny and a new hope and heaven will be my eternal home. You know, and then go, God, I thank you that, that I, you're working on me, that my problems have a point that they're going to be used for something greater and that you're changing me. And so, God, help me to be uh, focused in on following your Holy Spirit and, and obeying your word through all my problems and trials and circumstances. And then the third thing, you know, God, thank you for um, your, 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 your glory revealed in the church. Thank you for letting me be involved in church. God, show me today how I can do more to advance your kingdom through your church and how I can get more connected. Because the more we focus on it, the more we value it, the more we put effort into it, the more connected we feel to it. It starts with our focus, right? So start off there. And, the, and then when today when the Bears score a touchdown, please let them score a touchdown. Um, God, you know, before I thank them for that touchdown, God, I want to thank you for these three things first. And, and just nail it and just get it all the time. And when your focus changes to these things, it makes you more capable to handle the other disappointment in life. It gives you perspective and balance and hope and and a centeredness. So I pray that this would be a message that you go and apply, not because I want you to follow a bunch of rules, but because I want you to have a great and full and green with life, heart. You know what I mean? Okay, so I, I challenge you to do that today. Focus on the greatest things first and most. They will fill your heart with great things that will not disappoint. And this will create emotional health and great spiritual effort. We pray for you and we'll be done today with our uh, message time. God, we just know that your truth transforms. And God, we pray that this would be a sanctifying act today. That we would be transformed into people who keep our focus on our salvation our sanctification, and the glory you reveal in the the work of your church. And so, God, uh, help us to focus clearly on these things, frequently on these things, so that we put them into practice and keep them at the center of our being, that they fill us and renew us and give us um, stability and, and a perspective in our life. We're so thankful for these great things, God. We ask you to just 
drive them to the core of our being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.